following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay, well, take a breath. We did it. Do you know that? We made it all the way to the end of the book of Ephesians. We are finishing up our study. We've been working on Ephesians for 47 years. And uh, we're about to finish. We are going to um, we're going to wrap up today with Ephesians six, eighteen through twenty four, and that's a page nine seven nine in the pew Bibles. If that's helpful to you, um, these um, these last seven verses um, cannot be disconnected from the rest of uh, Ephesians 6. So we're going to uh, read, um, we're going to go back to verse 10 uh, and read that, read that all. Uh, so we have some context here and then we'll pray. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of good, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and how I'm doing, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful um, for all you have blessed us with. Bless us in the heavenly places and bless us here on earth with this wonderful family. We can gather together, not just today, but all the time and bear each other's burdens, pray for one another and encourage one another. And Lord, as we turn to your word now, I pray that we would be encouraged by your spirit who has already spoken and given these words to us. We just pray that you would interpret them now so that we would understand. 
fully what you uh, have for us here. And we are grateful. We give you this time in, in, in Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> well, over the last, uh, the last few weeks, we've been studying the armor of God and its various pieces uh, and the truths in which each piece symbolizes to catch uh, some of you up who have not been with us. And as we've studied this passage, uh, we've been reminded of what we're really up against in this world, in this life. That our struggle is not against other people, no matter how opposed their opinions or views or feelings might be to our own. Our enemy is not people. Our struggle is against the powers of darkness. Our enemy is the devil. And as our enemy operates with cosmic power that we don't understand in the heavenly spiritual realm, our defensive strategy in standing against our enemy must also involve activity in the spiritual realm. And we have talked at length of taking up the whole armor of God. And... And though there are pieces of armor that are placed on us by God when we are born again, when we come to faith in Jesus, there are still pieces that we have to continuously choose to pick up, to put on, or to use. But unfortunately for us and our limited existence, though these pieces of armor are real, they are not physical. Uh, if they were physical pieces of armor, wouldn't that be easier for us? I mean, it's much simpler for us to handle. It says, take up the water bottle of God, okay? I have it in my hand, and it's easy for me to, to get and drink. Cheers. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> I don't remember what verse that one was, but um, anyway... <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Um, so if these pieces of armor were physical and tangible, we could hold in our hand, it would be much simpler for us. But the battle that we are in, uh, like we read, is not against flesh and blood. What good is a physical shield when we don't have a physical enemy firing physical arrows at us, Right? Our battle is n n n not always in the realm of the physical, though its implications and effects often are. Our response to the schemes of the enemy and the power powers over this present darkness is to put on the armor of God and to pray. That means that our call to battle begins in our minds. Um, putting on the whole armor of God, because it's not physical, it has to take place someplace else, right? It would be easy. It's physical, but it's not. Putting on the whole armor of God begins in the thoughts, in our thought life, if you want to call it that, in our minds. Coming to grips with the realities and the resources that are ours in Christ Jesus. It all starts with him. They start in our mind. If you don't have Jesus, 
If you don't have faith, saving faith in Christ, if you know your sins are forgiven, he died on the cross for you, you are a captive of the enemy. So when we think about these people that we struggle against, that are opposed to our views or, or whatever, whatever circumstance, if they don't have Jesus, they're captive of the enemy, a pawn in his hand. Is the pawn the real enemy? No. It's the, 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 the one to play the game. And it's only, only, only by trusting in Jesus that we are able to switch side and to be set free. It's only through faith in Jesus to forgive our sin and direct our life can we be set free from the hand of the enemy, uh, the controlling hand of the enemy in this way. And when you are set free and forgiven of your sin and made a new creature in Christ Jesus, you know that's true about you? If you have faith in Jesus, you're something completely different now. You, you are, as a new creature, as Galatians 3, 7 puts it, clothed in Christ. And that clothing is not a frilly robe or with a stole of, you know, colorful. No, it's a suit of armor because we're in a battle. So here is our mental exercise, if you will. And that we would do well to exercise often. Think about this. If you are in Christ, if you have faith in Jesus Christ that has dealt with your sin, if that's you, you can do this. If it's not you, I pray by the end of the day, it will be you. Since we are in Christ by faith, we have the belt of truth. And the truth is that through faith in Jesus, we don't have to sin anymore. Do you know that's true? Every time we sin, if we are in Christ, we sin because we choose to. It's a conscious choice. Not a mistake. Not a happy accident. It's a choice that we make. No matter the temptation, as a Christian, sin is a choice. And the good news is, we can choose not to sin. Amen to that, huh? Hi, let's get on board with that. Huh? <laughs> I'll speak to myself here. So, since we are in Christ by faith, we also have the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ that means our relationship with God, our Father, is made right through faith in Jesus. We are no longer God's enemies. We're no longer slave to the devil. We are God's children, and he loves us. Do you know that's what righteousness means? It's not just clean and sober living. It's a right relationship with God, our Father. That's the real righteousness. So, since we are in Christ by faith, we have the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Now, that peace is not necessarily peace with men. But through the gospel, the good news that Jesus died in our place on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, we have peace with God. 
the kind of peace that really matters. And we can be ready to share that good news with the world, that peace with God is possible through faith in Jesus Christ. That's pretty good news. And since we are in Christ by faith, we have the shield of faith. We can be protected from the lies of the enemy because we believe what God says and not what the devil says. We can trust in the Lord, in what he has said and what he has done, knowing that he always, always, always tells the truth no matter how painful it might be. And since we are in Christ by faith, we have the helmet of salvation, the hope of our salvation that allows us to hold our heads up and look our enemy in the face, knowing that his defeat is certain and the day of our redemption is drawing near. Jesus Christ is returning for his bride, the church. And then this conflict with the devil is over. Amen. And since we are in Christ by faith, we have the sword of the spirit. God's word written by by him for us, a constant reminder of who he is and who we are and what we mean to him and what he was willing to do to rescue us from the consequences of our sin. The armor of God is what comes first in the text. This is the introduction, by the way. <laughs> I hope you don't have a roast in the oven. <laughs> the armor of God is what comes first in our text because it's what comes first in a battle. Doing start with thinking. Okay? That's the way it should go for, for us men. Uh, so that's why we get instructions, right? Because <laughs> we don't do it this way often, Right? Thinking is first and doing is second. In order for us to stand our ground, as we've been commanded in our text here, our thinking has to be put in order first. If the armor of God is a mental exercise, it's an exercise we need to do before we step out into battle. But when does the battle start? Start every morning when the alarm goes off or the sun shines on your face or whatever. That's when a battle starts. And that's where we need to put on our armor at the beginning so that we can stand throughout our day. Unless you work nights. Then you put your armor on in the late afternoon, I guess. All right. That's for you, Mike. <laughs> in order for us to stand our ground, our thinking has to be put in order first. We must commit ourselves to the mental exercise of aligning our thinking with the realities and resources that are ours to use as Christians. So, now we can look at our text. Verse 18, this is where we're at today. Paul says at the end of this uh, l l l list of uh, 
piece of armor. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what do we see here? We go through this mental exercise that reminds us of aligning our thinking with the reality and the realities of what it means to be a Christian. And once our thinking is clear, we get to the doing. And what is the doing? It's out there swinging a sword around, right? It's to find our adversaries and poke them in the eye with the sword of the Spirit. No, it's taking off your shoes that come with the readiness of the gospel of peace and smack your friends with it. What's the doing? It's prayer. Prayer for the Christian warrior, you're going to love this, does not come first. Put the armor comes first. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? After all, we come to faith in Christ, we pray, right? And ask God for forgiveness which comes before our prayer, is faith. When we are unaware of who we are in Christ and who Christ is to us and what God the Father has made available to us in Christ, can we really pray as we ought? We really can't, can we? I'm sure you can pour your heart out to God. and that's Absolutely, you don't need to know anything to do that. But when we know the realities of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us and how God feels about us and how we relate to him, we pray differently. What do we pray for when we understand these realities? Do we pray, Lord, get me out of this mess. Make the pain stop. Make the trial cease. That's what I want. Peace and safety. Just make it all stop. I, uh, I should have made a disclaimer before I even uh, start opening the Bible. Welcome to hypocrisy land, okay? Uh, I'm, uh, not, I don't want to say these things because this is how I do it, and you ought to do it like me. If you want instruction on how to live like Jesus, don't do it like me. Uh, this, I pray that all the time. Help, help, help. Get me out of this. But how should we pray? Thy will be done. It's well with my soul. We pray as Jesus prayed. Is there any other way Lord, take the cup from my lips. But not my will, but yours be done. See, prayer in its purest form, simply conversing with God. An open and honest, intimate, friendly, unrestricted dialogue with our Father. That's what prayer is. 
We don't have to use a flowery speech. We don't have to be kneeling at our bedside with our eyes closed and our hands folded like they tell us. Because when you pray when you drive, it's really dangerous. <laughs> we can have an attitude of prayer and a posture of prayer no matter where we are or what we're doing. Because all we're doing is honestly conversing with our Father. But if we don't know Him as Father, because we don't understand that concept, how do we pray to Him as Father? Right? We don't get it right. We pray to God as the cosmic clockwinder who wound up our lives tight as an eight-day clock and set it down and backed up. But that's not, that's not how it is. Because He says so. He's intimately involved in our lives. He is here. Wherever we go, the Bible says we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which is good, by the way, in case you're wondering. And he goes with us where we go. Now, the phrase praying at all times in the Spirit that Paul uses here, praying at all times in the Spirit, that does not mean that we are instructed to reach some higher ecstatic state of communion with the Spirit or some kind of trance or to speak in tongues in order to pray. That's not what Paul means at all. Praying in the Spirit means to pray according to the Spirit. That's according to God's promises, according to God's revealed character, both found in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. No matter how much time you spend in prayer, no matter how fervent you pray, you will not convince God to contradict his character nor change his plan. But he does want to hear your heart. What's interesting to me about this, and I see it in my own life and in the church and it's is always been an issue, is we haven't figured out yet how to pray. Now, I don't want you to think, well, I've been doing it right this whole time, and now you tell me I do it wrong. Well, probably, but I just, <laughs> that's between you and the Lord. I'd, it's always been an issue for the church. Remember when the Lord's Prayer was given? Jesus didn't just randomly say, okay, guys, this is how I want you to pray. They, the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. We don't know how to do it. But these are Jewish men, right, who have, who have the Old Testament and can read the prayers. They can read the Psalms. They can, they can read these prayers. And yet still, Lord, how do we do this? And then Jesus gives a formula for prayer, not a prayer to memorize and repeat, but a formula for prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, or some people call it Our Father. Jesus taught his disciples that they should be persistent in their prayers. I wish Dave was here to hear me say, like the widow and the unjust judge. All right. Luke 18, you can read that. Just as Paul said in verse 18, keep alert with all perseverance, 
making supplication for all the saints. Keep at it. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses 206 and 207, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. See, it's still an issue. This is 30 years after the disciples asked Jesus, or so. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's wonderful, you know, because we don't get it right. We don't always get it right. But whatever whatever getting it right looks like or not, we've got to keep at it. I don't want you to think, well, you know, uh, I'll send in my 1995 and I will get the secret to praying correctly and then everything will change. That's a, I'm not to promise that. You can send in 1995 if you want, but you won't get anything for it. <laughs> but we must keep at it, whatever it looks like. I'm glad that there is a distinction made here between all prayer and supplication here in our text. All prayer, as I've already talked about, is simply opening your heart up to God our Father in simple, honest conversation. I get, I get glimpses of this in, with my own kids. Um, when you just talk about things, they just talk about what's going on in their lives. They're not asking for anything. They're just talking about things. And when they're talking and you're talking and you're not lecturing, but... <laughs> which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but the, not asking for anything, just talking. But supplication is something different. Prayer and supplication. Supplication, I think, is the kind of prayer we pray the most often. Well, I say we, I mean me and the mouse in my pocket. Supplication is asking for things. This is when we ask our Father for things. Whether it's help with health or finances or work or relational troubles or whatever it is. When, when my kids supplicate, it always sounds exactly the same. They, they say the same thing in the same way, all of them. Hey, Dad? No. That's my, hey, Dad? No, you can't. Whatever it, whatever it happens to be. James chapter 4 and verse 2 says, You don't have because you do not ask. Now, that's not a guarantee that whatever we ask for, we're going to get. But he tells us clearly, keep on supplicating. Keep on asking. Through prayer, we recognize the truth of who God is and who we are. We embrace the righteousness of Christ in our right relationship with our Father because God's enemies don't get to pray to Him. What do God's enemies ask Him for? We are not His enemies. We have Christ's righteousness. Our relationship with God is right through faith in Him. So we have the freedom to talk to Him. We enjoy the good news that we are at peace with God in prayer. 
we exercise our faith by trusting God with the answers to our prayer. Yes, no, or wait, whatever happens to be, whatever we're asking for. We embolden our hope and increase our confidence in God when he answers our prayers. And we sharpen our sword knowing that God will never contradict his word even if we want him to. Prayer may not always move the hand of God. But it will always change the hearts of men. It changes our hearts. It's recognizing that we're powerless. And God is all-powerful. We can't do anything for ourselves. I know I've gone on for a while and your roast is going to burn in the oven. So we're going to end here. I know I've left a lot of meat on the bone here for this passage. There's still a lot to talk about. But I'm going to let, leave you to chew on that on your own. And this will conclude our study of the letter to the Ephesians. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. I know it's been a blessing to me. Just this last part, think about the armor of God and how much that has to do with the reality of who we really are in Christ and what is available to us. I think it's changed the way I've seen it. And I hope it has for you. And whatever our prayers sound like, we are admitting that God is God and we are not. So to that end, let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us. And Lord, sometimes I feel guilty continuously asking for more. You have given me strength and I ask for more strength. You've given us so much and we ask for more still. But we can have confidence. Your word tells us to keep asking. And so we do. So we ask for more grace. We ask for more forgiveness. We ask for more strength. We ask to know you more. To know you better. We ask that you would drive us deep into your word, that we would know you, know your character, know your limitless power. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that they would admit their sin to you, confess to you, and receive your forgiveness, knowing that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. And that this great gift of prayer is available to them. Communion with the living God. For that we are so grateful. We give you glory, Lord, for the things that you have done for us. We pray that you would hear our hearts when we pray. Even if we don't have the words just to be in your presence. Lord, we pray that you would listen to our hearts. For we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 
0390.